Hello and welcome to Conversations from the ANF podcast. In this episode, I speak to Katie Smith, an adoptive parent and wellbeing coach. She shares her journey and experience of adoption, as well as moving on to support parents and becoming a wellbeing coach focusing on adoptive parents. As always, if you've experience of adoption, fostering or special guardianship from any perspective, personal or professional, and would like to share that on the podcast, please get in touch through the Facebook page, Twitter, or you can email us at anfpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, so I'm Katie Smith and I'm an adoptive parent and I'm also a wellbeing coach supporting adoptive parents too. Excellent. So can you tell me, uh, Katie, tell me what led you onto the path of adoption? Okay, so if I go back many, it feels like many years now, um, as these things do sometimes. So um, I met my husband back in 2000 and it was always the plan, you know, to start a family and um, we thought that would happen um, naturally, but it didn't, unfortunately. And we went through the whole IVF process um, I think we went through it about three times and we knew if we if it didn't work the third time, that was it. We weren't going to go through anymore. We'd already made that choice. Um, but we always had adoption in our mind as well. If it wasn't going to work, we were going to look into adoption. And we knew family relatives that had adopted and we knew other people that had adopted as well. So it didn't seem this alien sort of idea or concept to us. So after um, our third attempt at IVF, we left it a bit of time because I, I think in back, you have to leave a bit of time between when you last had your attempt and then when you go for adoption. But I remember going to um, an information evening and finding out more all about it. Um, and that does seem a long time ago now. And thinking back that far, gosh, it's probably 11 years or, or more now. Um, and then later on that year, we got allocated a social worker and we started the process. Um, and yeah, it's those regular visits of social worker visits that come over to your house and ask you lots and lots of questions. Feels like going through a bit of therapy yourself, going through all that. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it's the process at the time when you're going through it. And it feels like that. And it's it just feel like when's it, when's this going to end? Um, but looking back now, it just feels like a sort of a blip yeah. in the in the distance now, something that we went through. Um, and the, all the training that we had to go through. I just remember that going through all the training and meeting lots of other couples um, and setting you up to what to expect when you went through that adoption journey as well. And I still, little snippets of that still pop into my head now and again. Um, and around the therapeutic parenting that everyone gets trained on. And um, yeah, and I just remember some parts were quite nerve wracking as well, like going to panel, going to panel to be approved going to panel matching panel and just wondering you know are they going to say yes and waiting in a little side room nervous what they're going to say when they come out um 
but nothing to be nervous about because both both times uh, it was fine and it was a unanimous yes. But just being sat there and what felt like being asked lots of questions by a whole panel of around 12 people was very nerve wracking. But the social workers were great and they chipped in where they needed to. And it, yeah, it was really supportive. And I guess the whole process for us from when we started with our social worker to being placed with our son, um, he was three months when he was placed with us, um, took around nine months. And I, quite, I think that's quite ironic, really, because, you know, yeah. naturally, if you were to be pregnant and have a baby, that's nine months. Um, and yeah, I just remember being told about him, didn't see a picture of him or anything. And I was like, you know, got a gut feel. I was like, yes, 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 we're definitely interested. And um couldn't wait to see a picture basically I remember being on holiday and just waiting for that email when's she going to send this picture of this child <laughs> and I remember it came through and it was bright sunshine and I couldn't see it and I was trying to get under a tree to see this picture um and then we we're on holiday with my parents and showing my husband and my parents and we were just so excited um it was yeah we just could not wait to meet him and the foster carers he was with were not that far away. And we thinking about it now, we we're really lucky that we didn't have that far to go to have those visits, which happened over about a week. Um, I think things are a lot different from what I've heard these days, but it was like a week of transitions before he um, moved in with us. People often... And yeah, we just got... I was going to say, um, you've, you've covered an awful lot of stuff there, which is really interesting. Yeah. Once people are... Often talking to people, they get that point of approval, and you sort of you're through the you you through the you through the first hurdle, or you're over yeah. the first hurdle. Um, was there were you were you approved for a little child? Because again, getting a three and a half month old child is quite unusual. And did you have long to yeah. wait? Did you look at other children? Do you know what? I don't think I don't think we did. Thinking back. Um, and we obviously said within a certain age range and it was the younger age bracket that we'd said I think it was like zero to three or five mm. um, and no because I, I remember back then as well that you profiles were sent to you in the post and you waited for the profiles to come through. And I, that just seems really, I can't get my head around that now, thinking things have moved on. But I, I don't think we did look at many children, to be honest. And we got that call quite early on after approval. And that started that ball rolling yeah. with our son. Yeah, yeah. So Sounds a bit unusual now talking about it like that. It does sound like a different time, doesn't it? Um, uh, it does. The, the, you know, post and those sort of things have moved well and truly on. Um, so you mentioned their introductions, and that can often be a, a point that people find quite hard. It's, uh, I mean, like you say, it's a long time ago, and it's interesting you reflected that, you know, now they're just things that happen, but at the time, they're not. Mm. So what, what, was the, what was your thinking around introductions? What was your experience? Um, I think looking back, it was quite a positive experience the foster carrier was lovely and um this was the first child actually that she was fostering so she was new to the whole process as well and um 
she was just so accommodating when we came round, and it felt like in a way we were learning together like the whole process and it just seemed to go quite smoothly we'd go over there and we'd grow the time we were there and put him to bed and get him up in the morning and then he'd come to our house for a little bit and then we'd take him out and we, I remember pushing him you know going for a walk with him so I, yeah looking back it went quite smoothly and um yeah we stayed in touch with the foster care as well with birthday cards and Christmas cards and it was just yeah really nice relationship that we had so you came home and you got on with your life yeah so yeah so all of a sudden you got this was well, virtually a newborn baby and yeah sleep deprivation I understand that <laughs> I've been being through that now getting up in the night um, and doing feeds etc and yeah and just throwing myself into I'm not one for sitting still so I was like okay what can where can we go what groups can we get involved with you know like other baby groups and toddler groups and um, so I joined lots and we went out lots and met various people through baby massage groups and all sorts of things and I still friends with a lot of those mums that I met back then now which I think is lovely um I guess as well thinking back you're always a bit unsure of how much to tell about yeah. your story and um you know about about your child being adopted and but I think for me when I felt right and I felt comfortable with somebody it felt like a natural step to take to you know inform them of of my situation so to speak um but yeah there were some times that I, I didn't feel that I wanted to share that information um I, I think I think a lot of talking to other adoptive parents as well it's that judging who to tell because you don't know what the response is going to be mm. like and I think that's what it is at the back of your head and then having to explain the process and a lot of people are really lovely and really supportive about it and they just they're interested and they just want to ask interest they're intrigued they want to know more um but yeah thinking back to those early days now yeah I've got a smile on my face <laughs> <laughs> um so you now you're you said you're at the beginning you're an adoptive parent to two children so can you yeah Tell me about number two. How did he yeah. arrive? Yeah, so we always wanted um, two children. And so we decided to go through the process a second time. And we did that um, about three years later. And that was a slightly longer um, process in terms of waiting but a slightly shorter process in terms of the paperwork side and the gathering of references and information about you know about us and just updating our records basically um, so yeah we went through it a second time and we were matched with our youngest our, our youngest son um, yeah three years later really was it, um, was it a different experience in the sense that the first time through, I often, people often talk about the sense of um, 
that felt a bit more pressure the first time and the second time maybe a bit different or was it different in character yeah. and or was it just that you were a busy mum so it's just another thing you had to slot into your week I think um Oh, you're, you're always busy, aren't you, as a parent? Um, and I think having been through that process, you know what to expect. Whereas the first time, you, you're not really sure. You, am I saying the right things? And is, am I going to get approved? But I think once you've been through that and you know that you are approved, so you're obviously you're good adoptive parents, that there's less likelihood that they're going to say no for a second time. Um, I think really it was about um, we had our, our eldest who was settled and we wanted to make sure that another child was going to fit into our life and fit into our family um, and not cause too much too much disruption to that dynamic. Obviously, we knew it would to an extent. Um, and there's always that's it. I would say that's the the main thought in your head when you're adopting a second time, how is that going to affect the dynamics of the family? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me then about the arrival of your second little boy. Was Did you have a long wait or a short wait again? That was around about, I'd say about 18 months the second time. Right. Um, so it's a bit longer and... I think we were prepared to wait as well. We, 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 were, we were anticipating waiting. So we felt okay with that wait because we were getting on with our life anyway. Um, and we knew that the right child would come along at the right time. I'm sort of of that mind, you know, the right child at the right time. Um, and so we went through all the process again. And obviously we got approved and the convenience of having foster carers down the road the first time that was looking looking back that was amazing because we had further to travel with our second son and that was very exhausting yeah that was exhausting lots of traveling um and we did stay in a hotel overnight one night just to sort of ease that to in and fro in quite a lot um and at the time, I just remember it just being exhausting, um, just the journey in and going back late at night and, yeah, just all the travelling around, really. But you think, well, there's an end to it. It's coming to an end. There's a means for doing this. And, um, yeah, so that was around about a week as well, maybe a little bit longer. And then our, our youngest moved in with us uh, just before Christmas. So tell me about um, life then, and you know, obviously, you you mentioned at the beginning you're a you're a coach, a life coach, adoption coach. Yeah. yeah. Um. How? Yeah. What's the join the dots between you sort of you a parent of two young children and here now? What's how, yeah. what brought you to that yeah. point, and how did you get there? And okay. Yeah. So when I guess if I go back to when we first adopted our eldest, so I was working full time before we adopted and um, I managed to reduce my hours and go and I went back three and a half days a week after um, adoption leave the first time which was great because it meant that I could be around more and that's what that's what I wanted I wanted to be there for the kids 
Um, so then the second time I went back to work again, um, went back on a similar pattern. Very important to me to be around for a couple of days a week with them. Um, and then during COVID 2020, um, I'd been working in my um, line of work for 15 years and I was ready for a change and COVID happened and I decided to apply for voluntary redundancy. I thought if I don't do it now, I don't think I ever will and um, didn't know what I was going to do. So I, I went to a coach myself and just talked it all through and decided to hand in my redundancy and they accepted it. And then I went on my own sort of personal development journey and looked into, um, I did an introduction to counselling, I did some mentoring with secondary school children, I volunteered with um, the crisis charity Shout for a bit. Um, so I did lots of things to find that what that thing was and I knew it was about helping others. Yeah. And then I came across coaching and it resonated because I used to lead my teams at work and coach my teams. And I was like, this is it. And I could I can set up my own business and I can be there for the kids as well. So I can take them to school and I can pick them up, which was, you know, that life balance is really important. So over 11 months, I uh, qualified um, and became a personal performance coach was the title of the qualification that I did um, and I just knew I wanted to support parents and get that life balance right and moving on another sort of year or so um, I decided to specialise in supporting adoptive parents being one it seemed a bit of a um, a bit of a I say a no-brainer but I, I was I wasn't um, going all in with adoptive parents to start with. And I think that's because I've been on my own journey with this. And last year was the first time that I actually sought post-adoption support. So after all those years, yeah. I, I didn't feel I needed any input from post-adoption support. And I think that was the precursor to me focusing on supporting adoptive parents because I began to realize that your well-being is paramount mm. as a parent anyway but as an adoptive parent being able to then support your your children as well so if you're in that right space then you can give from your overflowing cup as we like to speak to your to your children um, and there wasn't anything that I could find um so I spoke to my local adoption support group in Wiltshire about my idea and they were like brilliant we've been thinking about something like this um if you want to do it and set up a like a support circle we will definitely support you and promote you or you can come in with us and collaborate and I actually like collaborating so I, I decided to join up forces with them so we launched an in-person circle in November last year with a well-being aspect so we'd come together then I'd get some guest experts in to deliver some well-being sessions from um, meditations to massage to EFT to tapping I delivered some Reiki and yeah they it was 
it was just two hours, just two hours a month for them just to come together and switch off for that time and be with people who get it. Yeah. And, it, you know, the feedback, it's like gold dust, you know, just being able to talk and not explain yourself. And so that was that was what sort of started me down that path. And more recently, I was like, well, why? We had about um, six people come into these sessions on a regular basis. So we did a survey to see why, what might be the barriers to people not coming. And so childcare and geography were main ones. So I was like, okay, we can take this online. So that's what I did. So recently I've set up a wellbeing and connection circle online where I show up every week, either through coming together through a cuppa and connection where we talk, I have a theme and we share and support each other, or it's a 30 minute wellbeing session on a Wednesday evening and I'll do a guided meditation on a topic, wellbeing topic, and give some journaling prompts for just people to just tap a bit deeper into their subconscious and what's going on for them mm. and it's a time to just be just for that half an hour once a fortnight so and they and the feedback from those has been really positive as well so i mean so, you, yeah. you hinted at it a little bit but what do you think in terms of supporting parents i mean you can argue that all parents need help um yeah <laughs> quite effectively probably but um in terms of us as adoptive parents what what do you think what are the unique challenges and what what is well-being offering because I, I if you'd come to me this five years ago i'd have kind of been a probably a little bit dismissive i am a northern man it's kind of my default setting it's a gross stereotype there of all northern men um but just increasingly i kind of see that people are frazzled you know people are yeah so, so it, yeah 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 Definitely. So I guess people come for different. I mean, in terms of adoptive parenting, it's different. Everyone has their own unique journey and their own story that they've that they're on. And it can be things from um, compassion fatigue that, that comes up. Um, it could be people just other people around you just don't understand your child's behavior, for example. Um and I don't think they'll ever get it if they're not adoptive parents. And sometimes you think, well, even if I try and explain, you're still not really going to get it. So I think being around like minded people who understand, um, have that empathy and, yeah, just the challenges. It's because it's a different way of parenting as well. We talk about um, therapeutic parenting, don't we, in the yeah. adoption circles and that I went on the refresher for that last year just to make sure I was doing the right things because it had been a while about 10 years um and yeah it was quite reaffirming that that I was doing the right things but it can be quite tiring as well you know like conscious therapeutic parenting I find um and some people do all that and it still doesn't doesn't really work and I just I think everyone's at a different stage aren't they and you can always learn from whatever stage anybody's at and that's the beauty I think of coming together and I class well-being as that connection as well that is a part of well-being coming together um as well as you know self-care and to making taking time out for yourself um 
but my some of my coaching is um based in positive psychology as well where looking at well-being is looking at your relationships have you got me what's meaning in your life do you have that meaning that purpose achievement there's all different aspects to well-being that come together in order for you to flourish and I think yes we are adoptive parents but that's not that's not solely what defines us so we it's what do what else do we want from our life and a lot of the time we don't have the headspace to think beyond you know the next few days or the next few weeks and I think with and I do well I think I know through coaching you can open up that headspace and put in place things just to make you feel more positive and just to bring more happiness and more fulfillment into life so then you can widen your scope and like possibly put your head above the parapet and think yes that's the direction I want to go in now with my life especially when you get to midlife and you think actually there's more working years probably behind me now what, what do I really want to do mm. <laughs> with the rest with the rest of my life going forward so for me it's also looking at that bigger picture about you as a person not just as a adoptive parent well, that's really interesting because that I think that that that's made me think about how often that maybe adoption maybe any maybe any parent of a child with additional needs um that that yeah. then consumes every every bit of their lives their support network their friendship group their what they read what they yeah. watch who they talk to and so that sounds really quite interesting to kind of try and push people beyond that and to, i was going to ask as well in the that's not really a question more of a comment but i do you see many men at your welsh well-being groups your support groups uh we've had occasional men have popped in but in the main they are women they are the mums um yeah i'm not surprised by that no. um yeah i would like to see more men um i don't know whether having men would change the dynamic sometimes people say it does um i'm quite open to that um but i feel that the people that i talk to and the the mums that i talk to are the ones that are the main caregivers so that's that's where the support comes in for them where they're needing that extra support so yeah in my in person circle and on my in my online circle they are currently all mums it's just yeah. a, it was a random question came into my head. I, I, no. <laughs> but I, I have been thinking about how we support men as generally about, you know, it's just a thought that's been flicking around my head. Um, yeah. So you're looking to sort of build beyond your little local group and looking to build groups online. And so where would you like to see this end up? Where would you, I mean, in terms of obviously you, you as a individual kind of trying to earn a living, um, but also in terms of, <laughs> kind of actually supporting adopters more broadly yeah so i i the the online means it's doesn't really have those barriers in terms of geography um so that is nationwide and i do have people nationwide as far up as scotland um that are part of the group which is amazing and to be honest i don't see with the group because it's online and I'm de I'm delivering 
and you can show up in your pajamas if you want to you don't even <laughs> have to be on screen for that particular circle I'm not seeing there's a, a, a big limit on that so the circle you know I've made that so as many people as want to can come and join but I also offer one-to-one coaching if people want more in-depth you know like higher level support obviously my you know my time yeah. is more limited with one-to-one but I do love working one-to-one um and that can range from working somebody maybe for an intensive three hours to a month to six months it can vary depending on what people need really so my my circle is the thing which I envisage people just wanting that connection and that time out and that accountability just to show up for themselves you know at least twice twice a month is there for them and it's going to grow I'm already looking at bringing in some well-being um, guest experts as well. People have approached me, which is brilliant. because I just think, you know, the more support that we can give people, the better. And then if people then decide they they want that extra additional support to put in place specific actions to get them moving forward in the direction they want to move in, then that would be brilliant. Um, Because I've also worked with people who, want a change in career for example so well-being can go in any direction yeah, yeah depending on what they really want from the next stage really in their life smashing so if people want to kind of join in um how can they do that where where can they find you you can find me online um katiesmithcoaching.com um and also i hang out quite a lot on linkedin under Katie Smith coaching as well. So that's where you can mainly find me. Okay. Well, we'll put links to that in the, um, in the show notes. Um, Katie, it's been really nice speaking to you and kind of just get a, it's it's sort of made me think about, yeah, because so often we can become focused on children and it's just interesting to have that think about adults and the parents in the room and their needs and how we support them in a slightly less technical way, but much more, human way yeah thank you for talking yes. to me and um thank you i hope i wish you well with all your coaching business i might lurk in i might lurk in to one of your well-being sessions no that's a terrifying You're thought welcome. isn't it <laughs> that's a genuinely terrifying <laughs> You're thought. thank you that's the right answer but no i'll don't worry um you'll get a restraining order on me and um, thank you so much for speaking to me and i, I wish you well thank you thank you for having me